0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessed privilege it is for us to be able to have this time uh, of study uh, together. And uh, I thank God for each and every one of you who is joining us as far as Bible study is concerned on this day. It is January the 27th, and we want to look at Galatians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And uh, before we get started, I'm going to ask if we could, let's have a word of prayer as we uh, sense and seek what it is that the Lord would want for us to gather and glean as far as this time is concerned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for the wonderful and awesome opportunity to study your word, to learn more of you. God, we pray right now that you, the master teacher, uh, will come and teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway, so that ultimately you can uh, help us to become more like Christ. Uh, God, open our hearts. Uh, to appreciate our minds to understand, our ears to hear, and our soul to apply. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I see many of you all as far as uh, coming into the chat, and I want to thank God for those of us who, those that are joining us. Uh, I see uh, uh, Sister Trusdale and uh, Brother Minds and Brother Amos. Uh, thank you all for joining, as well as others who, may be joining us as far as this platform is concerned galatians chapter two is a very interesting text that i want to unpack and we're going to look at verses one through ten and this is the apostle paul really talking about his um authority as an apostle and how that authority was established i see you sister judy thank you for joining us and sister doris God bless you. God bless you. We appreciate uh, you chiming in as far as the chat is concerned. So Galatians chapter two, verses one through 10. Let's uh, look at uh, unpacking this with what I would consider to be the intentionality that God would have for us too. I'll be reading from the New King James version of the word of God uh, as far as our time together is concerned. Galatians chapter 10, starting at verse one, these words are printed, and I'm going to have you to underline, underscore, highlight uh, some words. I see you, Sister Karen Robinson and uh, Miss Karen and Sister Lockwood, God bless you, and uh, Deacon Ira. thank you so much for for joining us. God bless you. Galatians chapter two, starting at um, verse one this is Paul writing to the church at Galatia. Then after 14 years, and if you would underline uh, 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. I want you to circle the word Jerusalem. With Barnabas and also took Titus with me. If you will circle the words Barnabas and Titus. Verse two. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. Highlight that. But privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might have I might run or have run in vain. Verse 3. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. I want you to Highlight verse three. I want you to circle Titus. Highlight verse three, circle Titus. And then circle the phrase, was compelled to be circumcised. All right. Again, highlight all of that verse, circle Titus, underline, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren, underline the phrase false brethren, secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. If you would, underline the phrase, the truth of the gospel. Verse six, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. I like the phrase God shows no personal favoritism to man. I like that phrase. All right, let's continue. Verse seven, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter. I want you to highlight all of verse seven because that's gonna be relatively interesting and critical. Verse eight, For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, I want you to highlight the phrase, Peter for the apostleship of the circumcised, highlight that, worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. Verse nine, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, all right? In verse nine, underline James, Cephas, and John. In some Bibles, it may read James, Peter, and John, okay? Cephas is Peter, also, okay? And then I want you to highlight the phrase who seem to be pillars perceive the grace that have been given to me. Highlight that phrase. And then I want you to underline the words the right hand of fellowship. Verse 10. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Highlight verse 10. All right. Now, in reading this particular rendering, as far as the apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia, for us in today's culture, it may not seem like there's anything that we can take out and apply as far as our Christian walk is concerned. When you look at Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it seemed like a whole bunch of folks squabbling and fighting for recognition and power and understanding and things of that sort. Um, However, as we unpack this with greater intentionality, uh, I want to impress upon you that this goes a lot deeper than what we are struggling with right now in the text. This particular text, it is my hope and prayer, will give you the capacity to understand what it is that God would have for you to do so that ultimately when we look at this, you will be able to appreciate the aspect of doctrine, of what it means to be an apostle, what it means to understand and appreciate good teaching versus bad teaching, all right? And this is very important because we're living in a time and we're living in a culture whereby there's a lot of bad teaching that is coming into the church that we have what I call this syncretistic religion that is infiltrating the church. Now, what is, what is syncretism? Syncretism is where you borrow a little bit of this and merge it with a little bit of that and you come up with a new understanding of Christianity. So for example, what syncretism could look like in today's culture is if someone is practicing or has practiced Islam, and then they try to merge it with trying to practice Christianity. It, it doesn't go together. Okay. You said it again. It does not go together. All right. So we got to be very careful. And this is why doctrine, understanding why we believe what we believe is so important. Because unfortunately, the reason why many Christians get carried away, like the church at Galatia. The reason why many Christians get carried away is because, unfortunately, many of us don't know what we believe. And because we don't know what we believe, the first thing that comes along that tickles our ear, that sounds good, that makes us feel good, guess what? We go with it. And it does not square with the word of God It does not connect with the truth of Christ. It does not, and it is not substantiated by nearly 2,000 years of apostolic teachings that has basically laid the foundation for what we know is the church. And this is why it's very important because God knows in 2022, It's a whole lot of stuff that has infiltrated the church that does not stand and that does not fall in sync with the teachings as far as apostolic uh, foundation for the church. All right? Now, the reason that I say this is because when we look at how the church came into being, and we look at how the gospel has spread it, we got to understand that two preeminent figures, Peter and Paul, have been basically responsible for promoting the spread, the evangelical zest, and zeal as far as the gospel is concerned. Now, I want you to understand that Peter originally was one of the 12 original apostles. And he's really the leader of those apostles. And with him being the leader of those apostles, people tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. Remember, Paul comes along somewhat later, but remember, Paul had been a persecutor of the church and Jesus converted him, changed his life, and he moved from being a church persecutor to becoming a church planter, establishing churches throughout Asia Minor, Among what they call the Gentiles. Now, why is this term Gentiles so important? Because Gentiles were non-Jews. Okay. Now, this is very important. I want you to get this. Gentiles were non-Jews. The Jews, and this is why I'm laying out this foundation right now. The Jews Distinguished themselves, particularly the men, through one major fundamental physical act, and that was being circumcised. Now, I don't have to, hopefully, explain what circumcision is. Uh, hopefully, you all know, but but the men that 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 is what distinguished back then. Jews, particularly the males who made a covenant with God, they were circumcised. So the church is growing. The gospel is being spread among Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were uncircumcised. So now you got this issue because Christianity is spreading like wildfire. You got this issue that has popped up in the church and depending on how the apostles handled it, could have basically ended the church or allow for the church to continue to spread and grow. And so what we're dealing with today is how the church handled this potential conflict that almost caused it to go under. And we want to walk with you all with a great level of intentionality, what God is doing. So basically, when we look at verse one, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. So really what is going on here is that Paul is reminding them or sharing with them his trip to Jerusalem, which occurred 14 years after his first visit. He has his missionary colleagues with him. One they knew about named Barnabas. The other one they knew about, uh, had heard about was named Titus. And Titus was like a son to Paul uh, as far as ministry is concerned. All right, Uh, now, one thing that I want to impress upon you all is that what Paul is doing with the church at Galatia is trying to establish his authority to help pull the believers from Galatia back from the brink so that they could get their doctrine, their beliefs right. Paul has been out of shape that what he has taught them and what he has shared with them as far as the freedom that the gospel brings has been corrupted by what is called the Judaizers. I'm gonna talk about that in just a moment, all right? He's really been out of shape that these people have come and sown seeds of bad theology and doctrine among the Galatians that's causing them to be put back in spiritual bondage. All right. So what, 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 what Paul wants them to understand is that there are four significant aspects of his visit to Jerusalem that establish his apostolic credentials. First of all, the people he brought with him. He brought Barnabas. And he brought Titus. Number two is the content of his message. Number three, the confirmation of his ministry. And number four, his commission that comes from Jerusalem. Now, this is very important because basically John, Peter, and James says to Paul, So that the word can go out. Call your own point. This is very important. All right. So let's talk about his companions. Paul was escorted by a recognized leader that the people in Jerusalem knew. Barnabas. All right. He also brings a product of his ministry. A seed that has kind of bloomed. Titus. All right. Barnabas and Titus are really the companions that serve as living testaments of his ministry. All right. He also spells out the content of his message and he puts himself before the apostles, those who had seen the living and resurrected Jesus. He puts his content of his message before the other apostles for correction if he's out of sorts. Now, he is interacting, though, with Peter, James, and John as peers, all right? Preaching the same unique message, but to a different crowd. His confirmation, after they heard the gospel that Paul was preaching, the the apostles recognized it to be the same gospel they were preaching. They recognized his mission to the Gentiles was just as valid and as truthful as the gospel they preached to the Jews, all right? And then finally, his commission, Paul went to Jerusalem in response to a revelation that was given to him by God. And basically what they wind up doing was wind up saying, yeah, Paul, what you're doing is on point. You go share the gospel to the Gentiles. We're going to share the gospel to the Jews. And we're going to let God do what God does best and give the increase. All right. Now, why, 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 why is this so important for me to stop right here and unpack all this stuff? Because we got to understand that real leadership at times requires review to make sure you're on point, all right? Um, um, real leadership, leadership that is undergirded by humility, because what we see in this text is Paul, in a sense, bringing humility with himself as he goes to Jerusalem to have conversation with the early leaders of the church. Um, Now, he, he doesn't feel like he's being summoned to the carpet because of what he had been preaching, but he does want to meet with them to just make sure he's on point to make sure that there's some synchronicity between what he's been preaching and what they've been preaching, all right? Now, I think that is very important. I think that's very important for us to understand that as Paul is walking this conversation with the apostles, that he is making sure that God is going to get the glory because ultimately what he has been doing and what they've been doing is one in the same, watch this, to do two different groups. Let me say it again. Same message to two different groups. Let me say this again. Same message to two different groups. All right. Now, Here is where we basically start to get to the crux of the matter. Because in verse two, he says, I went to Jerusalem really by revelation and communicated to them the gospel that I've been preaching among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or have run in vain. What Paul is saying in verse two is I've gone to those that I believe to be in charge at the church of Jerusalem. I share with them the gospel I've been sharing with the Gentiles. Uh, I did this in private because I didn't want to do it in a public display lest somebody says something out of kilter that makes it seem like I don't know what I'm talking about or make it seem like I am running my race in vain. All right? Now, this is very important because I want you to understand that as we unpack this and as we move with this, um, what he is doing is letting us know that I have brought myself to be tested. Watch this. By the apostles to make sure that everything is in line to make sure everything is the same. This is why particularly in today's culture, when it comes to the ordination of ministers, um, uh, the ordination of ministers, particularly the ordination of ministers to 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 greater ministry, that that they are tested and that they have been tried because you don't want people to leave from under you preaching or teaching a gospel that is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, uh, uh, that has happened in a whole lot of churches across the width and, and breadth of this land. All right, let me continue to press on because it gets better. So here, here is, here is um, Paul uh, unpacking what he's been sharing. And here is the crux of the matter. The issue is should Jewish Christians be connected and accept Gentile Christians without requiring that they be circumcised? Okay. This this is the crux of the matter. Should Jewish Christians accept Gentile Christians without requiring them to be circumcised? Because the issue was the Judaizers, these false teachers were saying that in order to be a Christian, that you had to be circumcised. In other words, in order to be a Christian, there is a work requirement that you be circumcised, all right? Because for the Jews, circumcision was a sign that you were committed to God, that you were part of the covenant nation, that you were part of the chosen people. So some Judaizers looked at Christianity as really being this new offshoot from Judaism, but they wanted to make the same requirements that Judaism had. You gotta be circumcised in order to be a Christian. Now, can you imagine that you got grown men who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, come to the gospel of Jesus Christ, come to Jesus with a saving faith in that gospel, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, wanna commit their hearts, their lives, their time, to the service of the kingdom of God. And then they be told, hey, if you really want to do this, you got to be circumcised. Now, I don't know about you all, but that would have been, uh, for quite a few brothers, a no. Y'all can have that. Uh, you, You can keep that. All right? So this is what Paul is really driving home. Because in verse three, he says, yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. All right. Now it becomes apparent at that moment why Paul had Titus to roll with him. All right. Because Titus really becomes the test case. Paul knew that both Jews and Gentiles came to God through faith in Jesus Christ without any distinction. And really that should be the same case today. You and I come to God through Jesus Christ by a saving faith in Jesus, all right? Back then, it wasn't based on circumcision. Thank God today it ain't based on circumcision. So really what Paul is driving home is you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ because of grace, not anything else. Baptism doesn't save you. Coming to church doesn't save you. Working in ministry doesn't save you. Doing mission doesn't save you. Paying tithes and offerings does not save you. Being circumcised does not save you. None of that stuff saves you. You are saved by placing your faith in the resurrected, crucified and resurrected Christ who died for your sins on a hill called Calvary, believing God raised him from the dead. That is how salvation takes place You're not saved based on anything else. All right. And let me be honest. Um, What Paul was dealing with was not easy. Because the Judaizers really were bringing pressure to bear on having Titus being circumcised. These false teachers had infiltrated the church at Galatia and told them, you ain't really a Christian unless you're circumcised. You're not really a Christian unless you adhere to the customs taught by Moses. You can't be saved. And I want you to put in your notes or go back and read sometime Acts 15 Uh, Verse one that says, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you can't be saved. That's what the false teachers were sharing. And this is why you got to know why you believe what you believe. This is why you got to know the word of God for yourself. Let's look at verse four. He says, and this occurred because of false brethren. These Judaizers secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission for our, that the gospel of truth might be continued with you. Now, let me really break this down. So what is these false teachers coming to do? First of all, they came to spy. They came to spy. They came to spy on the freedom that they had in Christ Jesus. In other words, with bad intentions, they wanted to see how close these folks were keeping the law of Moses. And if they weren't keeping the law of Moses, they wanted to call them out. All right. Now, as we move and as we unpack this in a very intentional way. Paul was saying in so many words, I want to make sure I'm on track. I got these false teachers coming in. So in seeds of discord, trying to put us back into spiritual bondage. All right. Secondly, they wanted to make Christian slave. They wanted to bring the believers back into bondage to the law, rules and ceremony." Now, imagine if they had imposed circumcision on Titus, um, if they had their way, because the truth of the gospel is at stake, to impose circumcision on Titus would be to deny that salvation is by faith alone. And to affirm that in addition to salvation, there must be obedience to the law for you to be accepted by God. So, So in other words, you ain't saved just by faith. You're saved by faith plus. But thank God that we are saved by faith alone as a sign of grace to our lives. And Paul basically said in verse five, I know what they're saying, but I'm telling you what I'm preaching and I'm not deviating from from it for a moment. Okay. Okay. This is what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with these people, to let them know that if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're saved, not by any other act, but by faith, right? And basically, that's the same thing we got to help people to understand today. We can't deviate from the truth of the gospel. And this is why, my brothers and sisters, it's so important for us to know why we believe what we believe. This is why Sunday school is important. This is why Bible study is important. This is why reading the Bible for yourself is important. This is why wrestling with the text and and trying to understand the biblical text within its context is so important. Because basically, now let me tell you what will happen. Someone will take Galatians 2, verse 6. Watch this. Who it says, but those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. Here, here, here. Folks would take verse 6, and God shows no favoritism toward man, and really preach about, God showing no favoritism to anyone. And and, and the way they would frame it is that God shows no favoritism, da, 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 da. They would go on these long tangents of basically saying, you know, God is no respecter of person, da, 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 da. But not understanding the context in which Paul makes this statement. Paul is making this statement that God shows no favoritism toward the Jew because they are circumcised. Or toward the Gentile because they're not. That's the context in which this phrase is framed. But unfortunately, a whole lot of folks will take that and what? Preach it out of context. They would take that and preach it out of context. Now, I'm trying to slow walk this because it's very important for us to understand how God through Jesus Christ, is flowing with this. And one thing that I really want to impress upon us is that Paul wants to make it clear that both his gospel and his apostolic authority came from God because God showed no partiality between the Jewish Christians and the Greek Christians and between the recognized apostles or anybody else. In other words, he was saying, The apostles did not correct Paul's message or try to add anything to it. In other words, they accepted Paul as an equal. And they basically said that the message that he preached to the Gentile is the pure gospel. All right. But when we look at verse seven, verse seven says, but to the contrary, when they saw the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter, For he worked effectively in Peter's apostleship to the circumcised and worked effectively in me to the Gentiles. And when James and John and Cephas, who seem to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they go to the circumcised. Now, I got to take my time to slow walk this with you all so that you all can understand and appreciate what, what, what Paul is writing. Paul is basically saying in so many words that James and John and Peter recognize that Paul had been divinely set apart by God to share the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, just as Peter was set apart to share the gospel to the Jews. And I got to drive this home. Because of that, that messed up the Judaizers when James John and Peter said, "Listen, Paul, you good man that messed up the Judaizers. their affirmation of Paul messed up the Judaizers the leaders at the Church of Jerusalem, which is really considered to be, quote, the mother church, approved his mission to the Gentiles. Now, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Peter and Paul did not preach two different Gospels. All right. They did not preach two different Gospels. They preached the same Gospel to two different groups. All right. One Gospel being preached to two distinct groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. The reason the apostles concluded that Paul's commission was equal to Peter was the fact that God gave success to both of them as they preached. All right. In other words, when Peter preached the gospel, people got saved. When Paul preached the gospel, people got saved. When Peter preached the gospel, people wanted to get baptized and become part of the church. When Paul got the gospel, same thing happened. All right? Okay? So, someone says, uh, Brother Amos uh, asked why they didn't give Titus the right hand of fellowship because Titus basically two things. Number one, Titus was not a leader in the church at that time and number two he was a gentile and so you still got this jew gentile issue going on brother Aiden. so that's a great question peter paul and barnabas were leaders as far as that was concerned titus was a son in ministry all right so they gave paul they gave paul and barnabas the right hand of fellowship, because originally Barnabas was sent out with Paul to go and evangelize the Gentiles. All right. So again, this agreement on the right hand of fellowship, which serves as a perfect segue, the right hand of fellowship was really a sign of affirmation and a sign of trust and a sign of endorsement that the division of labor was gonna be shared with Peter, James, and John, focusing on sharing the gospel with the Jews. Barnabas and Paul will be sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, all right? So that's why um, that, that was shared, but that's a great question that you raised, Brother Amos, Uh, because really Titus was not, quote, one of the leaders as far as the early church was concerned. To wrap up in verse 10, and I'm gonna share with you all why why they said this. Verse 10, they desired that we should remember the poor and that uh, the very thing which I was also eager to do. Now, Let me unpack this as far as um, what they were dropping on them. Because this request from the Jewish leaders that Paul would remember the poor, which he affirmed to do, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always trying to change, here it is, the circumstance of those that are oppressed. So basically, what James, Peter, and John told Paul to do was to raise an offering to help the poor back in Jerusalem because there was a famine going on at the time and people needed relief, all right? They were experiencing economic distress because people need relief. So they told Paul, listen, we affirm you, but when you go back to your various churches where you're sharing this gospel, don't forget about those that are back in Jerusalem who are struggling and who are poor because of this human suffering that's going on due to the famine. And this is what wind up happening. And because they remembered the poor um, back in Jerusalem, it promoted unity and love and fellowship among the believers and helped them to um, understand that it's one church made up of different people and we all need each other. And Paul said, Listen, I'm so eager, so, so want to do this, and I, I will float with you all. So basically, what Paul is has experienced in Galatians chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 is affirmation of his apostolic authority. He has also experienced um assertion that the gospel he is preaching is on point. He is also promoting fellowship with the churches of church in Jerusalem and the churches that he's establishing. But even more importantly he has basically defeated the false teachers, the Judaizers because of the affirmation that has been shown by Peter, James and John from the church at Jerusalem. Now, what, now, what, what does all that have to do with us today? Very simply and I'll close. Any teaching, any preaching, Anybody that comes to you and says that the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ does not matter is a false gospel. Anybody comes to you and says that in order for you to be saved, uh, you got to do not only confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and believe that God raised from the dead, uh Uh, But if you want to be saved, you got to be circumcised or do some other act. Really miss out. That's a false gospel. Here's what I want to impress upon you that are listening to me right now. Salvation is the entry point. Sanctification or discipleship is how we grow. How we grow is impacted upon ministry and mission, things we do inside the church and outside the church. How we grow is by letting the world know we are saved. That's why we get baptized because baptism is like my wedding ring that, that, that you can see. It is a sign to the world that I am married. Baptism is a sign to the world that you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We give... Tithes and offerings and come to church out of obedience, not to get saved, but we do that stuff because what we are saved. So, those are signs. Generosity is a sign, baptism is a sign that we're saved, church attendance is a sign that we're saved. We don't do that stuff to get saved, but it is a sign. Now, circumcision is not a sign that of of, of salvation. Circumcision back then was a sign of covenant for the nation of Israel. Now, there is spiritual circumcision that we experience. Okay? That the Lord, watch this, circumcises our hearts, kills back the dead skin spiritually of our hearts so that a new heart can come forth where we love God, love our brothers and sisters and love ourselves to the place Where authentic transformation, liberation, and redemption comes in full bloom. So that's our lesson for today. Um, Before I close out, are there any questions or comments as far as the chat is concerned? Any questions or comments as far as the chat is concerned? Any questions or comments? All right. If not, as we prepare to close out, again, um, I, I want to impress upon you that when it comes to generosity, we don't do that to get saved. We don't do that to, to uh, uh, establish salvation. We do it because we are saved. And I want to uh, impress upon you right now that as we prepare to leave, that you can uh, give if you so desire several ways you can give here at uh, St. Paul. The first one is by mailing check of money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street or dropping off cash, check a money order here at the church. Um, Call the church office first and make sure someone is here to receive your offering at 704-334-5309. Another way you can give is through Church Life or ACS through our church website. You can give in that manner. And then you can give through the app called Giveify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download it, connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So if you feel led to give right now, we invite you to do that. Um, but understand, you don't give trying to get salvation. You don't show generosity trying to get salvation. You do that because you're saved. And, and because the Lord has laid it upon your heart to do so. And so I pray that you, if you feel led, to do that right now. Um, if there's not anything else, let's close out in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word. Thank you, God, that faith alone, because of your grace, is more than sufficient to connect us with you. Help us to grow in our walk with you each and every day. Thank you, God, for these women and men who have joined us for Bible study. We pray right now, God, that we uh, become a little bit better and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. Listen, may God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. We look forward to you joining us this weekend for service either in person here at the church, or you can join us virtually on one of our platforms. We want to let you know that the church is open for worship services on Sunday. Uh, but if you want to join us, you can join us by registering online, or if you come, fill out the registration paper for contact tracing. Listen, God bless you. have a smile upon you. God, take care of you and be safe.